Hello, everybody. It's your boy, Dave Neal, stand-up comic host of Bachelor Nation News. We got all your entertainment content in one place. Last night, I went to the F-Boy Island premiere party. All of Bachelor Nation was there, folks. Of course, Katie Thurston starring in season three of F-Boy Island. It premiered last night. Did you check it out? Let me know what you think. I've also got... A Britney Spears update. That's right. She's got her tell-all memoir. I'll give you the highlighted notes from that conversation, plus some other, you know, influencers, you know, getting canceled for their beliefs, which, again, I think is ridiculous. I think the only way we move forward with a society is not having a fear of sharing our thoughts, but discussing them. Those are my thoughts. Hold me to it. All this and more. Let's get into it. Do you feel good on today's Bachelor Rush Hour? All right, last night was a new episode of Special Forces, but I'm a special force to reckon with here when I've had a lot of coffee. I'm preparing for my next episode of Driving with Dave. I'll be interviewing Rodney. Remember Rodney from Bastion Paradise, fan favorite. Let's see what all of the kids on Paradise have to say about my interview with Rodney. Of course, he's just an absolute uh, legend in the Bachelor world. When he got stood up and hung out to dry on the show, everyone cried. So what's it about Rodney? I'll let you guys know. I'm very excited for that conversation. And then later this week, I'll be driving to... Uh, Arizona. So you'll see me with my mobile setup. I've got a baseball tournament, as I do. 38 years young, still chucking the old ball. Uh, And in Arizona, I'd be remiss if I didn't pick up one Clayton Eckerd and have a nice conversation with him. So he'll be joining Driving with Dave. That's right, folks. Thanks to all of your support. We call it equity. All of you guys being barnacles on this ship of progress. We've really we've really uh, taken the world by storm here in this small niche community. And I couldn't have done it without you. So thanks to everyone who's written into all the alumni and getting them on the show. It is very much appreciated. I mean, the love that we felt last night at the F-Boy Island premiere. I mean, Tasha's treated like royalty. We saw Game of Roses. We saw Jess Ambrose from the you know Your Mom and Dad pod. Uh, Bachelor Data was there. And get this, the Bachelorette. She is a um, the Bachelorette was there. She she's at, uh, does not show her identity on Instagram. So it was fun to meet her and put all the pieces together about who's who. Aaron, we saw both Aarons from this year's Bachelor in Paradise. Today's featured clip on the podcast is Aaron on the Bachelor Happy Hour podcast discussing his emergency uh, survival. That I don't even know what to call it. After his boating accident, he had a boat uh, that he just bought with Braden. They went 17 miles off the coast of San Diego, and it sank within 15 seconds. Uh, Braden's dad swam under the boat and unlatched the life vest. They were getting dragged down in the fishing lines. I mean, a real tragedy. Three and a half hours they spent floating around, waiting to be uh, seen and recognized um, and saved. And they were saved in and a, uh, a guardian angel uh, was with them on that day. And the story he shares, absolutely amazing. So stick around for the end of this episode, and we'll get into that content. Hey, Hannah Ann and Jake Funk, we covered them yesterday. They have had to move from Indianapolis to Miami as he's been traded, or I guess cut and then re-signed by a new football team. Well, they, dis- they are discussing and sharing their 
engagement photos for the first time. And if you want to check out and uh, see the visuals of what I'm talking about, go to patreon.com slash Dave Neal, where you can watch the creation of this episode. Again, that's patreon.com slash Dave Neal, link below. Here's what Jake had to say. Our first date was at the Beverly Hills Hotel, which was like a dream. I'm sorry, this is what Hannah said. Uh, she said they were both living in LA and we had a great time, really got to know each other and things just went off from there. One thing that helped seal the deal, Funk didn't pry about her bachelor days. I knew that she was on reality TV, he says, but it was something that I really didn't want to mention at all, which is why he got another date, says Hannah. And so good for him. I mean, it's like, look, he got another date, Hannah Ann. He's a, he's a professional football player. You know, give the guy a little bit of credit here. I'm sure he can pull tail. But either way, good for both of them. He's been uh, picked up by the Dolphins, and he'll be back in my AFC East Conference with my lowly New England Patriots. I mean, credit where it's due. The dynasty is dead, folks. I mean, come on. All right, well, let's jump into some other news here. Britney Spears has her new hit memoir, and uh, she talks about Justin Timberlake getting her pregnant. They both agreed to have an abortion. I'll, I cannot think of Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears without thinking of their denim outfits. Remember those de full denim outfits they wore? But they've got insiders describing this as bombshell news in her upcoming memoir. My question, how old were they? Of course, you know, I think Justin's had to apologize for the way he treated her. You know, he outed their relationship in, in some very personal ways on radio back in the day. I'm not saying times were different, but I mean, times were different. So maybe I am saying that. But either way, he's had to sort of um, pay the price uh, to an extent. I mean, although he's had a very successful career, but, you know, there's a little fallout about how they were, you know, treated each other. They, uh, she says, Justin felt they weren't ready for a baby because they were too young. Both were around 19 at the time, according to the book. Brittany says she was confl uh, conflicted, but after some difficult emotional discussions, they both agreed getting an abortion was the right decision. Uh, Justin and Brittany dated between 1999 and 2002. There's two sources tell TMZ it was so serious. Brittany wanted to marry Justin, but, you know, it didn't work out. All right. Well, good for her for sharing her truth. We have another quick Brittany story we're going to get to regarding her new book. Let's jump into that. As we remember, it's not been an easy road for Britney's mental health. She uh, says she shaved her head. You remember that story where she shaved her head um, to rebel before her, before her conservatorship? Britney Spears says she shaved her head back in the day, pre-conservatorship, as an act of rebellion, a stunning new revelation she just made in her forthcoming memoir. The pop star's new book, The Woman in Me, is coming out later this month, but in an excerpt obtained by People Mag, Britney Spears addresses the infamous February 2007 moment when she lost her locks and rocked a bald look in public. At the time, it was cause for much concern. Here's what she says in her own words. I'd been eyeballed so much growing up. I'd been looked up and down, had people telling me what they thought of my body since I was a teenager. Shaving my head and acting out were my ways of pushing back. So yeah, it's a very, you know, tough story to look back on because, you know, how Britney Spears was treated by, by you not just by fans and audience, but by radio DJs. And I mean, from everyone from Barbara Walters to uh, Conan O'Brien, every single person, you know, she was objectified and treated in a way that I hope we wouldn't treat anybody in today's world. But, you know, uh, we have to learn from our mistakes. I think that's an important part of like when we look at celebrity cultures, how do we have discussions about celebrities? How do we 
uh, enjoy the content we get from them. You know, I always think like we forget that celebrities and the culture around the conversations of like water cooler talk. We all know George Clooney, but we get something out of that out of that, you know, access, we get uh, a conversation and entertainment and we talk about it with our friends. And how do we be able to have those discussions and not make them toxic and not have a countdown clock for when Bobby Millie, uh, Millie Bobby Brown turns 18, like we did for uh, Miley Cyrus, like we did for Britney Spears and we did for the Olsen twins. You know what I mean? Like how do we avoid the creepy and really tragic uh, things we've done to exploit uh, celebrity youth and how do we just like you know uh enjoy it from a distance like we say like bisons and yellowstone how do we enjoy it from a distance without getting cored and that's a conversation that you know i don't know if we'll ever truly cope with the mental health effects of it but too many people say well they signed up for it this is what they get you wanted to be famous you wanted to be the olsen twins now there's a countdown clock to when you turn 18 like what are we talking about either way Fascinating story. And in other news, Clayton Eckerd has lawyered up, allegedly, apparently, I'm kind of connecting the dots. He posted on his Instagram story that he's got the uh, a, a husband and wife law team in Arizona. Apparently, they're known for being injury, injure, uh, what is it called? Injured, injured law, injury law. You, you know what I'm trying to say. And uh, uh, will they work on a contingency? Will they only get paid if Clayton wins? Do they think Clayton's got a big case to win? Again, we haven't seen any of the information laid out by Clayton, but not surprised if it is in fact proven that he is not the father of unborn twins will he uh seek damages i mean you can't google the guy without seeing these sort of weird controversies that come up and even though the most people know that he's innocent of a lot of these accusations he's still losing work over it so uh, the Lady Jane Doe may come from uh, a little bit of money. I mean, her, she's in the horse community, and you don't just stumble on a horse in today's world. Usually, if you have enough money to ride a horse, you got enough money to ride a cowboy. That doesn't make any sense. The point being is she didn't ride a cowboy. They never had sex, according to Clayton. He claims they only had oral sex. We can't prove that. We can't prove a negative. We can't prove they didn't have sex. Um, but what we will see as the court plays out is whether or not she is uh, pregnant and whether or not he is the father. Now, he claims the test has come in with no fetal DNA. I haven't seen the actual test results I got an email from her, as you do just about daily now, get an email from Jane Doe here, where she says, I am pregnant. I took a test at urgent care. She sent me the results of that test, which says she's pregnant. Whether or not she is or not is something we'll have to figure out, but that's what she sent me. And she also said she retook at RavGen the uh, test that will uh, say that she's pregnant. She retook it yesterday, and she said it should be available today or tomorrow. So... Will that test be sent over to Clayton? I think. I think in these sort of custody paternity battles, both sides get full transparency. So we should know without a shadow of a doubt whether or not he is uh, the father and whether or not she is pregnant. What we do know, as we shared last week, what we do know is that the ultrasound that was sent to members of the Bachelor community, which was sent in her public Dropbox, was doctored. It was a six-year-old ultrasound from twins found on the internet. We know that for a fact. I will not be sued. Not in my courthouse will I be sued for that. So as I was informed by my defamation lawyer, I can say without a doubt that that sonogram 
was doctored and is not real and does not prove she's got uh, pregnant with two twins or one twins, one set of twins, two, two pairs of solos, one set of twins. Either way, I can't prove that she's not pregnant. I can just prove the sonogram is fake and we'll have to let the rest play out. All right. And speaking of letting the rest play out, boy, do we have a story for you. Teen mom Kaylin Lowry makes a placenta smoothie. All right, if you're out of Jamba Juice right now and you ordered anything involving strawberries, this story is probably not for you. She makes a placenta smoothie in art after birth of fifth child. Kaylin Lowry has a new baby in her life, and with it comes all the joys of motherhood including a post-birth beverage that's au naturel and straight from the womb. The teen mom star posted an eye-popping clip on social media Monday showing her blending up her own placenta and pouring it into a mason jar complete with a straw. Look, I'm not one to tell people what to do with their bodies. I believe you have the right to eat your own placenta. That's okay with me. Hey, look, in central India, the women of the coal tribe eat the placenta to aid reproductive function. It is believed that the consumption of placenta by a childless woman may dispel the influences that keep her barren. So I guess in that case, you're eating somebody else's placenta, in which case I want to know, is it well done? Is it medium well? Are we going to you know, uh, fillet it for some sushi? Placenta phagia is the ingestion of the placenta. You might be saying, Dave, why are you going to talk about placenta eating when you don't have any sort of clinical studies of whether or not it it has adverse health effects? Well, you think I'm going to make a power podcast, a bachelor rush hour podcast without coming to you with facts? Placenta phagia is the ingestion of the placenta and afterbirth components released during and after parturition. The maternal behavior is widespread in mammalians and takes place in non-human primates too. It can occur between related and unrelated female primates and female and male weanling siblings in rats and hamsters. There are reports of human placentaphagia in North America where women consume their placenta, whether raw, cooked, dehydrated, processed, or encapsulated. I personally would like a placenta jerky. Can they do like a teriyaki placenta jerky? Assuming potential health benefits for mothers and their offsprings. However, there are also possible detrimental health risks associated with placental consumption in women. There is no scientific research regarding the beneficial effects of human placentaphagia, and available information is mostly hearsay. We discussed the cause-effect of placentaphagy in the indoctrine nutritional and analgesic proposed benefits and adverse effects of this practice that have been published in humans and non-human mammals. Hey, if the rats can do it, so can we. I'll tell you what, let's go from placenta phasia to our uh, hit story of the day, Aaron and Braden, and how they overcame nearly dying at sea. Let's jump to that story next. Anytime you make a stupid decision, 90% of the time that stupid decision is pushed on you by a friend, right? Or you're going to make that decision because a friend is with you. Yeah. When you're by yourself, you're probably going to walk away just like a car when you go buy a new car. Do you think, do you, think you would have walked away if Braden was like, nah, bro, I'm out. I can't do it. Hell no, I'm not putting that on Braden. Braden didn't buy this okay. boat, but he's like my hype man. So of course I'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's get this boat. We yeah. see it. This thing is beautiful. Boat. Pay for a whole inspection. Guy charges me 500 bucks, inspects the boat, sends me a 10-page report, all systems ago whole engine, bait tank, everything on this boat is right, perfect, ready to go. I bring it home. I start noticing little things on it that aren't working. The trailer's broken. I fixed the trailer. 
the stabilizer flaps break. The first time I take it out, I call a mechanic, I get that fixed. And these are all little orange flags, right? That start adding up. But in your stoke nest, you kind of overlook some of those orange flags. When you oh, go- he needs to write a book. What you do in your stokeness. Yeah, you, when you see an orange flag when you're stoked, you're like, put some duct tape on it. Come on, let's get out of here. We got to go. Oh, well, you know what? Like, I fixed these things. You know, now that this is fixed, then nothing else is going to break. Mm. Mind you, this boat is old. It's from the 70s. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman who I bought it from had told me that he had redone it in his driveway. Sure. Fiberglass, gel coat, and stringers. Stringers are the backbone of a boat. Those are the ones that run down the spine. There's usually two of them that run down the spine of a boat, down the hole. And so, um, yeah, I this is the crazy. If I would have brought, this is the thing that kills me. If I would have brought my dad on this boat, I would have killed him that day. And so I joke around with these guys and I say, like, this was bound to happen. This boat was going to sink at some point. And I am so thankful that I sunk it with Brayden, my buddy Gavin, who's another firefighter. Braden's dad and Braden's uncle. If I would have sunk it with anyone else, anyone else on this planet, one of us would not have come home. I was so lucky to meet Braden and his dad, who, by the way, looks like his older brother. Their age difference is like five years. It's ridiculous. But you got Braden, who was in the military, right? And you've got Aaron, who's a fireman. And then I believe Braden's dad also was in the military. You've got first responders. They all know exactly what to do. I mean, Aaron, he, you know, we don't, we, I don't know if we've celebrated a guy like him enough on this channel. And I'm not just saying that because I met him and I think he's a nice guy. But when you're a first responder or in his case, specifically a fireman, that's like a big deal. Like a lot of these people come onto the TV show with really just, you know, rudderless, another pun here, uh, rudderless, like a rudderless life but this is a guy who chose a career and a passion that specifically runs into the fire when everyone else runs out this is a guy you want if you're in a situation like this okay so that crazy oh okay so how far out are you and how does it sink yeah so this is crazy we're 17 miles offshore which you might as well take a spaceship to pluto there's no no one out there it's just us and everything's going fine, man. We're having fun. We're being guys. We're peeing off the boat, jumping off the swim deck. Um, uh, in for people that fish or don't know how to fish, when you're going for Dorado or tuna, yellowtail tuna or yellowfin tuna, you're looking for boilers in the water. So mm-hmm. we get to a certain GPS waypoint, which is 17 miles offshore. Everything's fine. And you're looking for kelp patties. All right, so he says 17 miles offshore. So if we look at our little, here's 20 miles right here. So there's, if you look up, I don't know if you guys can see this, the scale. It's basically one inch off of San Diego. So they're literally like over here somewhere. You have to imagine they are literally in the middle of nowhere in the North Pacific Ocean, folks. The middle of nowhere. Days could go by where no one would recognize them or cross their paths. Absolutely horrifying that as they're sinking, they realize how screwed they are. Or a bunch of boils in the water. And so we find a kelp patty. We stop throwing, throwing bait. At this point, I realize no one on the boat knows how to fish. So now I am a charter captain. My name is Aaron S. I'm the charter guy. I'm here to make sure everyone's having a good time. So I'm baiting everyone's lines for them. We're throwing them into the kelp patties. First kelp patty's empty. We're about three hours into this journey. Three and a half hours go by. We're at the second kelp patty. Same thing. No fish. Bait everyone's line for them. 
We reel out the lines. I looked at the ocean report and it said the wind was going to pick up at 11. So I told the guys next Calpati or boiler spot that we find, like we're, we're out of here. Mm-hmm. We're going to fish it for a little bit. We're going to turn around and bounce. All right, so that's the kelp. That's a kelp patty, and of course, it comes with some biodiversity, and then the fish underneath. There. Um, and so the boat's off. We're drifting next to the third kelp patty, and my buddy hooks onto a dorado. Everyone goes to the front of the boat. My buddy lets the line go under the boat, and then the fish runs around the prop. The boat's off. It's not a big deal. Why you have an outboard motor on a boat is so you can bring the prop up if you get stuck in kelp, or if a line gets crossed, you can lift the prop up off the back of the boat, untangle line, drop the prop back down, you're good to go. Mind you this, I'm going to tell you this, but before I tell you this, three of the guys on that boat had stepped on the back of the swim deck while the boat was off prior to this event happening. All the guys are on the front of the boat. Gavin has his line. I tell Gavin, my buddy Gavin, I said, let your line out. Everything's fine. I'm going to lift the prop up, untangle your line. You're going to reel this fish in, then we're going to head home. Prop comes up, Gavin lets his line out, all systems a go until I step on the swim deck. The moment I step on the swim deck, the boat is completely underwater in 15 seconds, gone. We don't have time to radio. We don't have time to get our phones. We don't have time for anything. And it is so unlike me to give a safety briefing. So my guess is if we look at just a random photo here of some of the different uh Here's the swim deck on the back. My guess is when he when he went in it that it took on water and then and the nose of the boat went up and then it went straight down. That's my guess. Again, do, what do I know about this? Literally nothing. For any of the activities that I do, this mm. is that's just my nature. But I, for some weird reason, I had given them a safety briefing before they got on the boat. I showed them exactly where we were going. So some of them had texted their wives or family like, "Hey, we're going out to this point." I showed them where the life jackets were, every little safety piece of that boat, where the radio was. It was on channel 16 for the Coast Guard. And luckily, Braden's dad, who won MVP of that entire experience, um, was listening to this absolutely abysmal safety briefing that I'd given the guys. By the way, that's so true that it's always the dad who's like listening for all the, and the young people are like having beers and whatever. And the dad's like, so where's the safety vessels? and remembered where the life jackets were. Classic. So he dove down and, and opened up the hatch. And really, those life jackets are what saved us because all of a sudden, you're having... Let me put this into perspective. You are having the time of your life with your closest friends, sharing an experience together that none of us really get. One moment you're having that experience, and the next moment, dude, you're floating in the deep blue 300 feet I mean, we're, we're in you're a treading wa- you're treading water 17 miles from shore. offshore, no land in sight, no boat in sight. And it's 300 feet deep. And it was the, the ocean. I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm a water dog, right? I was in swim lessons as a kid, champion breaststroke artist here, um, surf all the time, but the deep, deep ocean wants you underneath. So it pulls you in a way that I've never been pulled before. So just getting your life jacket on. With all your, cl- like, well, let's start this over. Boat sinks, no. life jackets get thrown out the boat. Yeah. Braden's tangled in fishing line. Mm. His The fishing line's pulling him under with the boat. His dad runs, swims over to him, cuts the line off of Braden. Braden comes back up. We all strip our clothes off to our chonies, except for me. 
I kept my Viore sweats on because they're hella expensive. And we put our life jackets on. But in that time, man, any time that you weren't on, in a life jacket, it just felt like the water was sucking you underneath. Yeah. And um, what a helpless feeling, right? All right. And, all right. So, so you guys have your life. Let's get to the point. You guys have your life jackets on. What's the conversation? Like what? Because, yeah, what's the conversation? Yeah. I mean, it's it's fight or flight. That, that yeah. boat had two firefighters on it. Braden was military. Dad was military. Uncle is a dispatcher for fire authority in Orange County. Right. Okay. So all of us come from a first responder background. Is everybody in physical, like physical shape? I wouldn't say great physical shape, but you know, when you, when I say we were in the water for three and a half hours, it becomes a mind game. Yeah. And he, he who wins will last. And uh, if there's anything that you need to know about situations like that is, is fear is cancer. Fear is cancer. So they're in the water for three and a half hours. I'm sure the sun's starting to go down. And they're wondering, this is where great white sharks are. Um, I mean, I just, still got them. You know, that's that's good. That, 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 that's so scary. <laughs> that's just a crazy, crazy, scary story. How, so... How did you get saved? You're out there for how long? Three and a half hours treading water? Mm -hmm. First hour and a half, it was shock, right? I, yeah. I, on a, you, we always have these bad dreams we wake up for them, right? You're sleeping. All of a sudden, you feel a thud in your chest, right? And you wake up before the plane crashes or you fall off a building. Before you hit the ground, you, you always feel this thud in your chest and you wake up. And so the whole time, for an hour and a half, <laughs> I am believing that this is a shit dream. Like this has got to be a bad, bad dream. And I'm just not waking up for some reason. And then I started dealing with some real ass shit. Like I started shivering bad, bad, yeah. bad. And then I started cramping up because all I had was coffee in the morning. And then I knew at that point, hour and a half into it, my time card got punched. Isn't that a crazy story, folks? I continue to play it on the YouTube channel, but uh, just to wrap things up, he says that at three and a half hours of being out at sea, a boat spotted them from very far away. They spotted maybe their reflective cooler in their debris field and then saved them. So what a great story, folks. Could have been a real tragedy. So there's a lot of tragedy that exists out there. Where we can find the light, we're going to head into that direction. And thank you guys all so much for all the kind reviews, sharing with your friends, and continuing to support this channel. I don't take it lightly. I'm proud of what we're building, and I'll be back every afternoon. I'm Dave Neal, and this was Bachelor Rush Hour. <laughs>